This episode of the Insuring Cannabis Podcast is supported by CanGen Insurance Services, LLC, providing comprehensive insurance coverage for the cannabis, CBD, and hemp industry on a nationwide basis for all product lines. Hello, everyone. This is Don Jurgler, and welcome to the Insuring Cannabis Podcast, a bi-monthly trip into the intersection of two industries that couldn't be more different. You never think you're going to need insurance until you do. I can't think of a better example of the importance of insurance than when something is stolen on which you've been paying premiums. Having a car, for example, or other valuables taken from you by a thief, but then you're able to call your insurer and get made whole. I can personally say it helps. We did a podcast on crime a little over a year ago. Episode 7, Cash is King in Cannabis, but Crime Insurance May Be the Crucial Queen, and it proved to be quite popular with our audience. So, we figured it was time to revisit the topic, with a bit of a twist. While that episode was big on anecdotes, daring robberies, and so on, we're focusing this episode a bit more on security advice that insurance professionals can use to help themselves and their clients. But we do have a few interesting stories to tell, and some fascinating claims data from the folks at Canisher Insurance Services. So let's start with them. I checked with Jim McEarlian, Director of Business Development for Canisher. One thing I found out was that most of the crime at cannabis businesses, based on their experience, is occurring when people aren't around. Now that's not too surprising, but just how often that's the case caught me by surprise. Between both of our programs, 95% of all of the robberies and criminal activity have happened post-closing. That might not seem like a big shocker, but it truly tells you where the risk management efforts need to take place to protect the businesses from an overnight, you know, grab and smash. So we're putting some more of our thought leadership into the overnight controls and risk management support on behalf of our clients. Interestingly, the numbers from Canisher show that most criminals are snatching products, but cash not as often. Cash is getting grabbed on occasion, however. The company has seen cash theft claims of up to $25,000, with an average loss of around $10,000. Within the circumstances of these claims, Canisher has found that many thefts are occurring overnight, and based on security footage and other available evidence, it appears criminals are often getting in and out quickly, perhaps a bit too quickly. So we're getting a sense on a number of the claims that we've witnessed and paid, as well as our carrier partner who has had some of these activities, that it probably are inside jobs. So you're seeing employees providing a little bit of too much of an indoor opportunity for the external criminal. I'm picturing a dissatisfied employee sweeping up late at night. Everyone else is gone. He opens the door to some waiting friends and says, Hey, come on in. Have some free cannabis. Kind of like that. It's just a shame that if someone's able to get in and out of the building within two to three minutes, and that's what some of these security cameras are telling us, that the door must have been unlocked. It must have been convenient that all the inventory was sitting out instead of being locked away in the cabinetry and vaults that are you know, part of the policies warranty that the cannabis operators are signing documents saying that they warrant that they will have all of their inventory locked up in 
some type of security facility that has maybe a one hour or two hour um, theft resistant. So if you're in and out in two or three minutes, that stuff isn't being locked up. Making this all the more curious is that the aforementioned cash losses are not only less frequent, but they often pale in comparison to some of the claims coming in for thefts of products. Canisher has seen claims from product losses up in the couple hundred thousand dollar range. So think about it. A hundred thousand dollars worth of cannabis products. That's a lot to carry out in two or three minutes time frame. I asked McCurlian for a figure, hoping for a ballpark on pounds or armfuls. Well, I could tell you that it's probably 50% of the inventory at the dispensary. So the fact that that much is available without any kind of protection gives us that same insight that it was probably an inside job. Of course, when a loss like that occurs, there are a lot of questions to be answered. And the businesses that got hit are likely to get hit again with a big fat premium hike. Definitely expect a rate increase when you see something as simple as some theft deterrent not being implemented in the right way. From an underwriting standpoint, we ask those questions when we're seeing that account in the second year after the claim. You know, what specific theft deterrents have you implemented since the claim that happened in 2020? So we're asking about, do they have some written procedures? What are the state and local jurisdictions that they're now complying with that they didn't before? What are the opening and closing procedures that the multiple employees, not just the one employee, are now undertaking to make sure all product is secured overnight? You know, are the cameras and alarms actually on? And are there, you know, checkpoints in terms of making sure it wasn't just one employee that was responsible for flipping on the switch, that there's another employee that's checking that person's back to make sure all deterrents have been implemented for the night. Most experts agree that one of the best preventative measures these operations can take are to have round-the-clock security guards on site. But then that comes with a whole other set of things to think about, and of course some risks. The businesses are doing a pretty thorough check on does the, the security business have experience in a field overnight and with firearms. So a lot of the current security guard firms have hired you know, either former or current police officers that are working, you know, a, a gig shift. Um, you want to have firearm protection. You want to make sure that they're experienced with the firearms so there's no extra liability that's going to be facing the security firm. But the cannabis business is just checking boxes on making sure that all experience levels are there from the number of years security guard firm has been in business as well as their time training from a firearms perspective because that's a critical piece that I know many cannabis companies are thinking about, but they have to make sure that their interview process is thorough in hiring the right firm. Okay, it's time to call in a security expert. Chris Eggers is the owner of CC Security Solutions, a cannabis security consulting firm. Eggers is a former police officer, having worked at the Oakland and San Francisco Police Departments for a dozen years. He spent a considerable amount of time working undercover, infiltrating known violent offenders, and learning from burglars and robbers exactly what they look for when they target people and businesses. Eggers has a lot of advice to give, to cannabis businesses, to brokers, and other insurance professionals. Let's start with site assessments. 
Side assessments are really important for several reasons. One, it gives the opportunity to understand any security deficiencies or areas of noncompliance that are currently in place. Now, when, when security systems are being built out, multiple vendors are tapped in for that project and they stick to their own lane, um, you know, and they're focused on their own wheelhouse. And that can leave behind a lot of liability. Um, cameras are focused on, you know, uh, video and, and documenting and retaining that information. Alarms are, you know, focused on their world. But having somebody conduct a security assessment, especially through the eyes of an offender, to identify various security efficiencies as they relate to either environmental, procedural, or physical uh, equipment is extremely important in understanding what the risk profile of your space is. Like McCurlin, Eggers has some great anecdotes. He's seen a few things during these assessments that should be concerning for anyone who likes to see crimes deterred. I recently conducted a security assessment of a indoor cultivation and they employ security guards on a daily basis. Um, however, there's no oversight of those guards. And so what we discovered was that uh, policies related to access control and video monitoring, open and closing procedures and alarm response were not being followed. Um, the guards sort of had the keys to the castle and, the, and no oversight. And so they were able to um, cut corners in ways that really uh, inflated the risk profile of this space uh, in a way that, you know, if it, if it continued to go unchecked, could have been, you know, very detrimental to stakeholders. In another recollection, our security expert illustrates what a good safe can do to protect one's cash. If one bothers to put one's cash in said safe. I conducted a security assessment recently at another indoor cultivation site, and uh, the door to the safe room was open. The door to the office uh, that the safe room is in was open. Um, the safe was closed, but there was a bag of cash sitting on top of the safe in anticipation of the uh, cash transporter coming to pick it up. Now, the cash transporter didn't show up for another hour and a half. And so, um, you know, I ensured while I was on scene that the cash was stored properly. But had I not been there, uh, that cash would have stayed, you know, right next to the safe for hours. And we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars in cash that is accessible to any employee, whether it be, a, a, you know, a full-time employee or, or a day temporary employee that came into this cultivation site had access to this room in the safe room because the doors were open and the cash was sitting just right outside. And so it's that lackadaisy sort of attitude um, and failure to follow proper policies that can lead to, you know, large amounts of theft happening very quickly. Here's something a bit more revelatory from Eggers. An alarm or burglary response company doesn't dispatch directly to law enforcement, as you often see in commercials. They typically go to an alarm call center that's being monitored by the alarm company. And then, depending on what they find, or who they're able to get a hold of from a contact list, police response is then initiated. Law enforcement prioritizes calls into three categories, and alarm responses are typically second priority, not top priority. I think an insurance uh, broker would, would benefit by asking follow-up and clarifying questions to the insured around their alarm response policy. It's one thing to have you know, an active alarm being monitored and all of the appropriate, let's call them widgets. But more importantly, behind that, a broker should understand what the policy is behind that equipment. So if an alarm does go off, who's going to be the responsible party? Who's going to respond? What kind of incident debrief is going to happen? Who's going to meet with law enforcement if necessary? A lot of those things 
um, sort of end up by the wayside and, and can cause um, incidents to, to become larger than they need to be because due diligence wasn't conducted on the front end. Um, so again, I think, you know, relying too heavily on the importance of the equipment, but also um, understanding what the policies and SOPs are behind that equipment is really important for brokers to understand in, in relation to their um, insurance. The presence of these cameras and alarms may seem like a useful crime deterrent, but as sophisticated as some of these systems are nowadays, they aren't always enough to stop determined criminals. So with respect to the cannabis industry specifically, the equipment, the alarms, the cameras, the access control are all regulated by uh, state regulations and, and rules. And, you know, municipalities have local rules and regulations in place that um, surround how those and, and how that equipment is, is installed, monitored, and, and how it's cannabis specific. But burglars are not deterred by equipment alone. And I think that's a big misconception in the industry. That's why we have so many videos of break-ins and, and bad things happening. Um, the equipment itself is not the deterrent. The SOPs behind how that equipment operates and how you utilize that equipment during the daily operations of your business can be a deterrent. And I think it's really important for folks to understand the difference. So, let's say you're a broker and your client's been robbed. What next? Which next steps are best taken in the aftermath of being robbed? Pay attention. This is how you can help your clients learn and grow from an incident. Debriefing an incident, uh, whether it happened on your space or in relation to a space that you're aware of or maybe have a connection to, is extremely important. Um, there is a lot of great takeaways that can be had from debriefing, let's say, a burglary. Um, understanding what failures occurred to allow that incident to take place, understanding what failures occurred that attracted somebody to that space to begin with, but then how do we learn from that, improve upon that, um, and adjust our operations, maybe our equipment, maybe our SOPs, to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Um, but a proper debrief is, is vital in understanding was this an external threat or was this an internal threat. Um, and then in addition to that, I think brokers can really benefit from debriefing these incidences to do some deep diving into uh, some of those processes and equipment that are in place that are regulated by various cannabis, um, you know, laws and regulations or regulators to understand how we can avoid this from happening in the future. Because unlike other industries, cannabis is obviously um, so unique in that there's self-reporting uh, protocols that need to be met, you know, and other uh, various factors that need to be considered with respect to insurance alone, um, there's a lot that can be learned if we debrief these incidences and, and make sure that we take the appropriate steps to make sure that they don't happen again. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insuring Cannabis Podcast. You can find other episodes from this series by visiting insurancejournal.tv. Until next time, I'm Don Jurgler.